Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in. This is episode 43 of Rangers Review. Myself, Tyler. Many of you guys know me from Morty NYM covering the New York Mets. And we also have Steven, Statboy Steven, good friend here, as we're going to be breaking down everything that transpired for the Rangers over their past four games. Because last time we spoke was right around the holidays before the new year and everything. So I hope everyone had a very happy and healthy holiday, whatever holiday you may celebrate. And same thing with your new year. And now that we're in 2022, the Rangers have so far so good. Off to a great start over their past four games. The one game that we expected the Rangers to play that we put in our predictions from last episode did not transpire is the game against Montreal Canadiens, as many of you guys know by now. That got postponed. So our predictions, I they won't be accurate because I know last week I think I went 2-1-2 and two over the Rangers five games. Steven, I think you said 3-1-1, one, and one, if I had a guess. So... Mm-hmm. Either way, you were closer with yours, and you got the exact number of goals that you expected the Rangers to score, just over one less game, that being with 15. So you can keep the title. I'll let you have it. It's perfectly fine. But overall, Rangers did really well during this stretch. Uh, Exciting episode to get into. So whether you're watching this live, thank you guys so much for being here in the live stream on YouTube. We'll be taking your comments and questions towards the end of the episode in our Q&A segment. And if you're listening on replay on either YouTube or or wherever you get your podcasts, Thank you guys so much for that as well. But Steven, let's just get right in. How are you? Happy holiday. Happy New Year to you. And yeah, let's just dive into this one. Yeah. Happy New Year to you, to everyone who's listening, to every Rangers fan. Um, Hopefully 2022 will bring uh, more luck and better performances by the Rangers than 2021. Um, I think they're, you know, they're on a roll the last couple of games, so... Let's hope they can build on that. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's dive into it. What did we? Um, the last game we did was it the Vegas Golden Knights? Yes, because that was the last one until they would then play the Habs. Yeah, and then we. Um, yeah, and then yeah, and then the Red Wings game was also postponed on on January second. Correct. Yes. Yes. That's or right. what? Not no, not gen- last week. Um, was it December twenty seventh? I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, they had a game against the Red Wings that was postponed. So they had a tough schedule the last four games. Um, playing against four playoff teams, um, or three playoff teams, uh, four games. But um, yeah, pretty good result overall. Um, you want me to dive into uh, the first two games? Yeah, yeah, let's dive in. But before we do, I already see some uh, someone comment in the live stream how you were a jinx from the goal they gave up last night. And we are going to go in a little bit of a segment at some point in the episode regarding your jinxes and how this needs to stop. I don't know. I, I think I think maybe it's a it's a culture barrier thing. I, I just I don't understand you with with jinxing the Rangers nonstop, Stephen. It actually happens. So I will, no, listen, no, 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 you I, do not deserve an apology. Stop it. We're going to get into it. Not yet, though. I, We're going to hold that segment. I do deserve an apology for the shout-out, Jinx, because we did get the shout-out. Anyway, um, so first game, Rangers against the uh, against the Panthers. Um, 
first game of their Florida road trip. Uh, started out really well for the Rangers. Panarin with a highlight real goal, um, making Aaron Ekblad look like a uh, like a fool on defense. He always he always does that to Bobrovsky, his good friend. Yeah, um, and the funny thing is, in the pregame, Sam Rosen and Joe Micheletti were talking about how Florida Panther fans and their their brass consider Aaron Ekblad a Norris candidate, and then and then our Tammy Panarin pulls that out of his hat. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, good start from the Rangers. Uh, that, that Panarin goal was assisted by Strom and Truba. Um, but then in the second period, they, uh, they give one up against Anton Lundell. Uh, Libra <laughs> Hayek was, uh, was, was caught off guard in the crease. Couldn't cover in time. Uh, so the rookie Lundell uh, ties it up 1-1. And then in the second period, it's, uh, it's the Rangers again with, uh, you know, capitalizing on a mistake, which, which they've been doing uh, lately, you know, Whenever our opponents make mistakes the last couple of games, they have been capitalizing on them. Uh, similar here. Um, Gudas uh, has his stick lifted by Panarin, uh, passes it to Zibanejad for an open net, makes it 2-1. Uh, and then the third period, you are you think the Rangers are going to pull it out of that, uh, going to pull the win out of it. Um, they uh, they had, a, I think, an 8-0-2 record taking a lead into the third period, or 10-0-2. Um, so they hadn't lost in regulation, taking a lead into the third period. Everything looked good. Sam Rosen mentioned it. Uh, but then the Florida Panthers uh, with Mackenzie Weger um, scoring the game-tying goal. Uh, Carter Verhage with a, with a massive wrist shot um, on, a, on, a, on a really good pass from, uh, um, from Radko Gudis. And then Anthony Duclair, you know, former Rangers tend to do well when they play us. Claire making it 4-2. Uh, Rangers pull the goalie. Kreider gets one to get us within 4-3. But unfortunately, we uh, we couldn't get the win against the Florida Panthers. Um, Igor Shashurkin, uh 32 uh, shots against, 28 saves. Um, I think Shashurkin, aside from the Carter for Hagee goal, was was good. I think the Verhage goal he wants back. But other than that, um, nothing to... Um, I, I don't think there was enough there to uh, to put the loss on Shashurkin. Um, but you know, it was a wake up call for the Rangers. Um, and it was, it was the start of a tough stretch. You know, they, they had, of course, Vegas Golden Knights, uh, that they lost in, uh, I think in a shootout. And then, um, you know, uh, this was one of the four games against, against a really tough opponent. Um, unfortunately they couldn't make it to OT, but I think still getting, getting your goals in. Uh, losing four three to the Florida Panthers, is not is not really uh, anything to be to be ashamed about. Um, and then before, of course before after you, that before uh, you jump to the uh, to the second game, I just want to add a couple things here quick. Um, sure. One thing, uh, Rangers outshot the Panthers in that one thirty three thirty two. They did lose in the faceoff dot, which made you think maybe the Rangers were going to win that game. Um, but all jokes aside, jokes aside, didn't happen. Uh, hits Rangers got out hit 40 to 30 and giveaways were in the favor of the uh pardon me, the Rangers and only giving away six to Panthers 18. This game was frustrating for me personally just because it felt like one that the Rangers very well could have had and then they just unraveled completely into in the third period and I know that Igor did give up a soft goal there but still that was one where unfortunately kind of continued the narrative that I know that you've 
not not a narrative, I should say, but just the facts that the Rangers have not done well to this point throughout the season against good teams, at least teams that are of similar level, if not better. Um, thankfully, that started to change in, against those games in Tampa that we'll be getting into here in a second. But definitely a little bit of a frustrating one. It was great to see Panarin have a good game. Um, but overall, um, it was awesome to see how resilient the Rangers would be after this against some very uh, two teams that very well they could have lost to. Um, if maybe this was a week prior or something like that. So mm-hmm. overall, I'm happy we're, we're, with where the Rangers go from here. And I do want to address a donation in the chat from Tom. Tom, thank you so much for the $10 donation. Really appreciate that. This is Happy New Year. Thanks for the great content. Thank you so much, Tom. Same to you. Question, does Zach Jones earn his permanent spot on this roster? Tom, I'm going to take that, and we're hopefully you stay throughout the episode. We're going to address that in a little bit. We have a lot to say on Zach Jones. He is one of, if not the biggest topic of discussion that we'll be breaking down in Rangers Review episode 43. But again, Tom, thank you so much for the donation. In a nutshell, I do want Zach Jones to stay with the Rangers. Whether he will or not has yet to be seen. Uh, But Stephen, back to you with uh, the game against Edmonton. Uh, No, no, no. Uh, First, the game against Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, Um, pardon me. You're right. I've got got the games confused real quick. I'm thinking last uh, night. They had a back-to-back against Tampa Bay Lightning with the first game on New Year's Eve in Tampa. Um, and this Tampa Bay Lightning team was uh, was there for the Rangers to uh, to beat and get two points off of. Uh, they were still without Vasilevsky. They were still without uh, Cirelli so they, and, and Kucherov, of course. So they were missing some, some significant players. Of course, Vasilevsky and Cirelli would be there for the second game between the Rangers and uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning on January 2nd. But this game on New Year's Eve for me was the first game of the new year because puck drop was at midnight. Uh, so the first thing I did in the new year was watch the Rangers. And I watched the Rangers win. Um, and yeah, I was thrilled that we were able to beat the uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, I think Barkley Goudreau in the last three games, uh, starting, starting with this one has been lights out for the Rangers. I think he has five points in the last three games. Um, and this game, yeah, they can see the, an early goal by, um, uh, like, first period goal by Steven Stamkos on the power play, assisted by Hebman and Palat. Uh, all familiar names for people that have been following the NHL for the last couple of years. No surprises there. And then in the second period, we got some huge help from uh, – from Brian Elliott, former Flyers goalie, who was in net for uh, for Vasilevsky this game. Um, early in the second period, uh, goes behind the net, uh, tries to play the puck and plays it straight onto Lafreniere's stick, who doesn't hesitate and puts it puts it in the empty net. Uh, That's the Matthew staple. I feel like yeah. every single goal that Lafreniere scores, it's either you know right in front, maybe he gets a snipe every now and then, or it's mm-hmm. open net. And I will yeah. say it is. Nice to see someone know how to nail the open net every single time. It's like, made Lafreniere, right Yeah, Lafreniere is not scoring highlight real goals, but he's always in the right position. When when he does score his goals, uh, he does have the, the instinct to be there where the puck's going to be. So that's a good sign. Uh, so he has seventh goal of the season, his 19th of his short career so far. And then later on, shorthanded, um, Barkley Goudreau, assisted by Greg McKegg. Uh, and then, um, you know, that's when really, uh, things started turning around for the Rangers. Um, Brian Elliott gave up, gave, gave basically, um, Ross Colton tied it up late in the second, 
And then in the third period, a goal each, won by the Rangers. Again, Barkley Goudreau with the second of the game, assisted by Keandre Miller and Atemi Panarin. Um, they almost pulled out a regulation win, and then Corey Perry tied it up with two minutes to go, assisted by Stamkos and Pollard. And then we went to the shootout because there was no goal in overtime. And uh, this is where you could see Mika getting back into the groove. He went back to his signature move in the final attempt. Uh, Tampa Bay missed all three attempts. Uh, for the Rangers, Kaku and Panarin missed, and Zibanejad pulled it off for, on, our, on our third attempt, getting us the, um, the shootout win. And the Rangers end 2021 on a high note. And, uh, yeah, some, some numbers here. Shostjorkin uh, only faced 28 shots, saved 25 of them, uh, so gave up three goals. Uh, 0.893 save percentage. And Brian Elliott only faced 23 shots, only saved 20 of them. So his save percentage was a little lower than that. Um, most notable on the Rangers, uh, aside from that, is, uh, um, you know, the, the, the time on ice. Uh, Adam Fox with 30 minutes and 52 seconds in Oof. that game. 30 minutes. He played He played a half an hour in, in, the, in that one game. Um, so yeah, they, they heavily relied on Adam Fox as we are, you know, as we are used to by now. Um, but this was for me, this was the showdown between Hetman and Fox, you know, to me, the top two defensemen in the league at the moment, together with Kill McCarr, um, they, they went into the game tied for most points in the calendar year. And unfortunately for Adam Fox, Hetman, uh, notched another point in this game. So he finishes the calendar year with most points by a defenseman. Um, but the Rangers still pull out the win in a shootout uh, and getting the final two points of 2021. Yeah, that that game in itself was a huge win. Uh, just, just a great bounce back overall to lose in the fashion that you did against Florida. There's been this kind of narrative for the Rangers uh, throughout plenty of uh, games this year where they've struggled to close things out. They sit back, they get a little too comfortable, whether they have a lead or whether it's close going into mm-hmm. the third. So to see them kind of bounce back the way that they did, Barkley Goudreau, uh, Goudreau, I always, I, I always mess up how to properly go about his name, and I don't mean it personal. Just it throws me off. No less, he did a great job against Tampa. It wouldn't be the last time he did a good job against Tampa as we get into the game following up right after that. But to see him step up, you knew he had a fire under his ass. You know he was with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He got the nice tribute there, of course, uh, for oh, winning back to back. Don't forget. Uh, they had a little ceremony before the game where he was given his Stanley Cup ring. Exactly, yeah. The, Tampa's been doing that, of course, all year with their former players. Uh, same thing with Yanni Gord, I remember when they did that for him a little while ago. So great to see. Um, again, it was just even better to see uh, Goudreau uh, really try to step up his game a little bit. Not that you need to go against your former teams in order to do so, but no less anything to benefit this club right now. I've been liking what I've seen from him. He helps out in a lot of different ways, both offensively and defensively. So great to see. And the Rangers then go into their second game against Tampa. And this was a huge one as well. And the biggest thing to go into this game were two things. It was one, Archemi Panarin being out because he was put in COVID protocol, unfortunately. Ryan Lindgren was not a part of this game either, which means that, yes, Zach Jones was making his season debut. Jones, who had a handful of games, played in the past season. He played 10 games. I think he had four points, all being assists 
was coming in for his first of the year. We've all been antsy waiting to see Jones in this lineup because he's had a great start with the Wolfpack. I believe he had at least 17 points in 20-plus games with them so far this season in the AHL, so he was really looking good. And he comes in and gets paired with Niels Lundqvist right away, and that's something that I would love to see as a long-term pair potentially. But I know that you and I have had our concerns with if they're going to bring up Jones, it would make more sense on paper at least to say have him not paired with Niels because you have two youngsters especially that lack NHL experience at this point, and also have similar play styles to a certain extent. So maybe you put uh, having Niels with Keandre and instead Truba with Jones, which might be something we see in the future. But I, I will say defense was not too much of a liability with Jones or Niels in this game, respectively. And while the shots yeah. were definitely lopsided in this one, Tampa outshot the Rangers 38-21. to 21. It's the type of shot selection that was so pivotal. And, of course, Igor Shosturkin's just – unbelievable performance just doing an absolute showdown locking it up making highlight real glove saves doing his best hank impression and so did Georgiev in the game against edmonton i feel like every single time we see that uh leather flash uh, all i think about is henrik right away it's so it's so weird i know that's been a couple years now but i'm still getting acclimated and adjusted to this new era of rangers goaltending but Igor was phenomenal, but the even bigger story was the power play and Mika Zibanejad. Zibby gets the goal scoring started in the first period. Right around, you know, halfway mark or so in the game, he gets in the left dot for his ninth of the year. Beautiful snipe, and that was assisted by both Fox and Kreider. I believe Kreider did have the screen in front, too, which helped things. It was just beautiful goal. Textbook that you get from Zibanejad in that left dot. And Rangers power play continued to thrive as it has been for a bit now throughout the season. Then we get into the second goal, and it's only four four minutes after this one, four to five minutes, because Zibanejad scores his second of the game, this time being assisted again by Fox and Kreider. Deja vu looks like on the power play again. Awesome to see that Zibanejad gets two goals there. And then Ryan Strom in the in the first period taps one on, uh, gets one in for his seventh of the year, assisted by Goudreau, who had a really nice pass his eighth assist of the year. At that point, Rangers are already up 3-0 in this one against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who they beat in their previous game. And then we get in the second period as well, and Zibanejad just continues to add to the goal scoring. This one was awesome, and that would be his 11th of the year, assisted by Kreider. Reverse rolls the prior game. Kreider, of course, having the goals. Zibanejad's getting the assist. Now it's kind of flip-flop, so it's great to see Kreider throw the apples as a bad Jack gain his hat trick this season. And there was a review to see if it was actually going to be a good goal or not, because Zibanejad got the play started. Tampa was trying to get the puck out of the zone. Zibanejad did a nice little love tap to himself. That was just around the shoulder to stay in the offensive zone, had a nice play to Kreider. Kreider then sets up Zibanejad right in front, right in the crease to get that goal. It was cleared. It was good. Rangers got a power play out of it because the challenge by Tampa failed. It led to nothing, but still Rangers shut them down. Awesome game by Shesterkin. I would say this is probably, if not the best, then truly one of the best well-rounded games the Rangers have had this year. And they're also killing another narrative from years prior, which has been how they perform in day games. The Rangers are just a team that frustrates me. I feel like a Sunday day game, 1 p.m., 12 o'clock, I'm not feeling confident. They just haven't had good history but from their game, of course, against the Boston Bruins for Thanksgiving to now, it's awesome to see them take advantage of a game like this earlier in the day because we don't see it too often. But Zbanjad, again, huge story. And also what I liked a lot from this game that we liked a lot going into the game against Edmonton was Alexi Lafreniere being in our Artemi spot in that left wing in that top six, took advantage, was throwing the body nice. 
And Zach Jones had, a, in my mind, a solid game. He had a hiccup early. Uh, was like, hello, welcome to the NHL again, because Braden Point just did a beautiful little deke around him and almost scored. Thankfully, he didn't. But after that, Jones shored up some things, had some nice sticks in the defensive zone, and also his neutral zone game was solid. So, Jones, we know what we get from him. I, it isn't a surprise to see him performing exceptionally well, I would say. So far, it hasn't been anything crazy, but definitely what you would expect out of NHL caliber defenseman who has endless amount of skill and is truly balanced both defensively and offensively. So really, really strong game by the Rangers. They dominated the faceoff dot too, 61% to 39. Dominated the power play, two out of their three. And also had hits were in favor of Tampa, 33-23. Blocks, Rangers dominated that as well. So Tampa got a lot of opportunities, but Igor and the defense really locked it down with Amara most. Rangers had 18 blocks to Tampa's three. And Rangers only had three giveaways to Tampa's six. So Steven, What's your kind of, you know, uh, quick recap, your stance on Zach Jones' season debut, him paired with Niels especially. I know that's like a match made in heaven for someone like you. So what was your just initial reaction to everything that transpired in this one? Um, I think that it's surprisingly well uh, for all the concerns, um, uh, for all the concerns that, that there were about those two being paired together. Um, I know a lot of Ranger fans, a lot of hockey fans actually uh, still – feel that you cannot play two two smallish players together on defense but remember two years ago ryan lindgren and adam fox lindgren is only six foot and fox is 511 so it's not i mean it's not that different um and i would say nils lundquist is more physical than ranger fans give him credit for so this pairing worked really well and it's it's hard to uh to complain when you get a shutout against one of the top teams <laughs> in the league uh, they also had Sorelli back for this game. They had Vasilevsky back in net. Um, so this was um, this was a Tampa Bay team that was almost at full strength. Of course, they're still missing missing Kucherov, but they they had some lethal weapons on offense. And I think Lundqvist and Jones were doing fine. Um, of course, the last game we're getting into in a second, Lindgren comes back into the lineup, and they and they decide to make Nils Lundqvist a healthy scratch, move Hayek to the third pairing with Zach Jones. Um, not sure I really agree with that move because can you really, I mean, that pairing played so well against Tampa. I really wanted to see them go up against McDavid and Dreisaitl, you know, see how they went. They did really well against Stamkos and Palat and Point and Sorelli. I wanted to see them against, against you know, the, the, the top two players on offense in the league. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll see it uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Gallant's going to handle this because Jones and Lundqvist are better than Nemeth and uh, and Hayek. And I think we finally are seeing how good this defense can be uh, if we just brush aside Hayek for a second. How good this defense can be when Patrick Nemeth is not on the ice. Bingo. Uh, yes. Um, and I I was hesitant about the signing in the summer. I was willing to give him a chance. I've heard Colorado Avalanche fans and Detroit Red Wings fans complain about how terrible he is. And honestly, he makes Jack Johnson look decent with the way he plays. And him going on the COVID list, uh, you don't wish it on anyone. But it has put Gallant in an awkward situation. Where do you go from here? When Nemeth is healthy, do you take Jones out of the lineup? Because I don't think you can justify taking Jones out of the lineup uh, at the moment. Uh, on the other hand, I would still play Lundqvist over Hayek. I think Hayek has been has been okay 
he hasn't been a liability as much as we thought he would be. Which but, is awesome, uh, which I will tip the is, cap to. He has nice, been better than I expected. Which is great. Um, but Hayek is, first of all, Hayek is not a player that you want to develop into a top four defenseman. Hayek is what he is at this moment. Um, I think if you want to keep Hayek as a seventh defenseman, I'm okay with that. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Jones and Lundqvist paired together. And, you know, it's 2021 or 2022. Sorry, it's 2022. Um, this is not the 1980s anymore. You don't need big guys on defense. The thing that Jones and Lundqvist do really well is they, they skate well. Their positioning is great. Um, and they anticipate hits. Uh, Lundqvist has been lined up for a hit a couple of times this season. And he just shrugs it up. And that's because he anticipates it. And you compare that to guys like Hayek and Nemeth, who just aren't as good defensively. Um, yes, they're bigger, but they're not more physical. Uh, and in Nemeth's case, uh, yeah, it's nice to have a big body, but if you cannot get there in time to, to dish out a hit, then what uses your size? And that's my biggest issue with Nemeth at the moment, and to a lesser degree with Libor Hayek. I think Hayek has been better than Nemeth, but that's a low bar. So um, I really want to see more of Jones and Lundqvist, and I hope we get to see that moving forward. Of course, we have the West Coast trip coming up. Um, but before we go into that, um, yeah, let's let's recap the, uh, the Oilers game first. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see Niels out for this one, but... Gallant has his reasoning. I'm not sure if he made public what it was in his, uh, you know, pre or post game. Um, if, if anyone's aware, by all means, send it my way. But I do know that just when you're looking at Niels and his role on the team right now, he has been healthy scratched array this season, you know, every once in a while, and it hasn't hurt him at all. And, you know, also at a game like this uh, on a back to back, I don't think it really hurt much. Um, I think the only argument that could be said is, okay, Maybe you have Niels out on a back-to-back. He's young. You're trying to get him acclimated still. But in saying that, you also keep Jones, who just had his season debut, and for the second straight game back-to-back. So it kind of contradicts if that's kind of maybe the comment that Gallant would say and the reasoning behind it. But no less, it, it thankfully didn't really change much because Hike was perfectly fine in this game, and so was Jones. I thought Jones looked very good in this one too as the Rangers went on to win four to one against the Edmonton Oilers. And this was a big one. Look, Edmonton came out and they've been struggling for a bit. Now we're aware of that. And they've been a team that as a casual Oilers fan, because they are my favorite West coast team have been really since Taylor Hall arrived there. So give you an idea. It's been a while. And Devin Dumnik. Yes, he was an Edmonton Oiler. Um, Edmonton, unfortunately has been dealing with a lot of the same struggles where you have the two best players in the world, but you're still struggling to find that consistency in your bottom six. And a team like Edmonton, who if you can get Connor and or Dreisaitl down to only one point a game, if not less, then you're going to have success. And that's what that's the adversity that they've been facing a lot lately. And we saw that again here. The Rangers did not allow Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl to get on the score sheet. That in itself, you need to give a huge tip of the cap. You do not see that happen often for the two best players in the league. But getting into the game, let's talk about Alexi Lafreniere in the top six again, taking advantage of the opportunities given to him. And thankfully, Miko Koskin did his best Brian Elliott job. Koskin behind the net wasn't able to play the puck while Ryan Strom jumps on it and is able to set up Alexi for the one tee right, you know, down the center into the offensive zone to get an open net goal for his eighth of the year, assisted by Strom's 17th apple and Lindgren's third. Lindgren coming back 
because uh, he had been out and also so babyface. It's so funny to see Lindgren without a beard. I feel like he gets 10 years younger, um, not as menacing. So we'll see how long it takes for that one to grow out again, as I'm sure he'll like to do. But then we get into the second period and the Rangers just kept buzzing in this one. They had a lot of similarities as they did in their previous couple games, especially their one last night, uh, the day before, I should say, against Tampa Bay. And Barkley Goudreau gets himself his seventh of the season. A beautiful pass by Alexi Lafreniere across, uh, you know, going from right to left in the offensive zone. That's Goudreau's seventh of the year assisted by Lafreniere. Gets his third uh, assist of the season. This is Laffy's, I believe, fourth multi-point game of his career. And Ryan Strom got his 18th apple as well. So at that point, the Rangers were up 2-0. And then going down the ice, a little bit of a defensive mishap. Ryan McLeod, the former, I believe he used to be a devil, McLeod gets his fourth of the year, assisted by Benson and Turris. And that was right across the crease. I'm, I think Heedle was down there in the defensive zone. And so was Adam Fox, who unfortunately wasn't able to get a stick on it. And it was just a typical cross-crease goal. Nothing that I can really complain too much from goaltending-wise for Georgiev giving up because Georgiev had a really, really good game. Flash the leather, got the Georgie chance going. So it was awesome to see not just Igor thrive lately, but also Georgiev, kind of them doing it back-to-back is a great sight to see. Then we get in the third period, and what happens? Rangers on the power play. Adam Fox holds it on the point. He just lobs it on that, and Chris Cryer does what Chris Cryer has been doing all season long. His 20th of the year, just absolutely insane. Gets that deflected goal and just trickles past the line, too, to beat Koskinen, and that's assisted by Fox's 29th apple of the year. And then, of course, the final goal to cap things off in this one was awfully similar to Mika Zibanejad's goal he had, I believe, a couple games ago, where Ryan Strom trying to get a pass across. It deflects, and it goes in the net. It hit off a skate from the Edmonton Oilers, and that's going to be Strom's eighth of the year, assisted by Goudreau's ninth apple, and Fox's 30th assist of the season. Fox now has 35 points on the year, more than a point per game. And the Rangers just went on to win, an impressive fashion, 4-1. to one. Against a rather struggling Edmonton team, I'm aware of that. But for you to still shut down the two best players in hockey, that's a great sight. That's something that does not happen very often. And I'm beyond excited to see how the Rangers are going to go about what's going to be a rather struggling, I'd imagine, or at least tough road trip for the next five games. But Rangers got dominating the faceoff dot 62 to 38, didn't phase them. Power play one for five, hits dominated by the Rangers 29 to 12. Blocks dominated by the Rangers. Back-to-back games where they're throwing the body. 22 blocks to three. And giveaways, uh, Edmonton won that one, three to seven. But big, big game for the Rangers. I liked what I saw from Zach Jones. Was getting more comfortable at 15 minutes time on ice in this one. And everyone just seemed like that they were balanced. Uh, Some guys that uh, stuck out a little bit on the negative end were just not being as impressive as I'd like them to be. Someone like Phil Petal, who I know we talked, unfortunately, more negative than positive about this season. That we'll be getting into here shortly. But... Steven, what's your reaction to this one? Big game for the Rangers, and that would be their third straight victory. Yeah, I think uh, Mikko Koskinen wants, uh, wants to forget about this game as soon as possible. Um, a delay of game by shooting the puck over over the boards 15 seconds in. Yeah. That, that was not a good start by him. Then the puck he gives up to Strom, uh, the tussle he had with Greg McKegg, um, and then ending it all with that, with that goal that trickles in on the power play by Kreider. Uh, he did not have a good game, but the Rangers were um, were able to 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 keep Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl off the score sheet in the same game. Only the fourth time this season that has happened, so that's worth noting. Um, yeah, no, play goal. Um, 
which is, uh, I mean, it's his 12th power play goal of the season in only 34 games, which is the second highest at that point of the season in Rangers history. Uh, 1988, who had 14th. Um, so interesting to see where this ends with Chris Kreider. But if this power play keeps it up, uh, Kreider might might just break records for for power play goals. I think the record is 25 by Yarmir Yager. Power play yeah, goals. I know Yager holds it. Yeah. Um, so interesting to see what's going to happen there. But uh, yeah, good good win for the Rangers. Um, I the one thing, and I didn't want to get into this uh, before we recap the final game. Um, I'm happy with the wins. The only, my only gripe still, and this is something that hasn't been fixed yet. This team still needs to learn how to enter the zone at even strength and, you know, get set up and put some pressure on their opponents because most of our goals are either on the power play or they come off broken plays. Um, and what I want this team to do is, is, is put some pressure on their opponents, tire out your opponents because once you get to the playoffs, that's how you score. You score by sustained pressure. And at the moment, this team is is relying on the power play, goaltending, off the rush, and it's working so far. And I'm I'm really I'm thrilled that we're number one in the league with the fourth best record. We have some some additional games played compared to other teams, of course. Um, is a win, but I really hope that if if we're serious about doing something in the playoffs that we shore this up and, and one big step earlier, this defense just looks light years better without Nemeth on it. And, and, and I know he was a third pair defenseman, but he was all to kill. This team just looks more composed. And in the final minutes, defending a lead, um, I'm no longer, you know, holding my breath when Nemeth is on the ice, it reminds me so much of when Nick Holden was on this team a couple of years ago, and he was always on the ice defending a lead in the final minutes, and I was always holding my breath. And now I'm watching them play the Tampa Bay Lightning and the final two minutes, I, 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 I wasn't even worried about the shutout. You know, they were playing so well on defense. They were getting the puck early. They were clearing the zone. And this is where Lundqvist and Jones shine compared to Hayek and Nemeth. And this is the the biggest reason I want them to play. Because when they get the puck on their stick in the defensive zone, they clear the puck. They are able, no matter if it's forehand or backhand, no matter their position on the ice, they are able to clear the zone. And that's 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 exactly what you need, especially when you're under pressure. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, getting three wins out of four games against playoff teams, that's huge. So hopefully that uh, this does something for the team's confidence. Another thing I wanted to point out is that the last six power play goals for the Rangers. Um, so I'm not saying that you know we we don't need Panarin. I'm just I'm just saying it's interesting to see the power play having a different dynamic where they don't rely on Panarin being the guy holding the puck. If that makes sense. Which is which is exactly what you and I have been preaching for being comfortable with one on one pair, one on the other. You know, yeah. it just it just makes perfect. It makes so much sense because you don't need to overkill something if mm-hmm. you can still prove to have success with only one of them. The Rangers are showing that. I know it's a smaller sample size. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. 
But point being is that if this continues for however long he's in protocol, which I hope he's out as soon as possible, obviously, which means things are good to go with him. But if this continues the way that it's been trending, then that just further justifies having a balance on the two because naturally your top pair is going to get gassed. And when you have multiple power plays in the game, which is happens for the Rangers a lot, and say you are struggling a bit, then you're also having those guys that you're being so reliant on five on five that are getting even further gassed in Panarin and Zibanejad. So if you can find a way to distribute that time a bit, I say do it. I don't think it. I think I don't think it causes any harm. I think only good things happen from it, and it just gives you that much more of a dynamic on power play one and two, which comes off more menacing for the opposing clubs and how to properly uh, defend them. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, I just want to reiterate that that a power play is more than just putting your five best players together, because this is what a lot of coaches do. But that doesn't mean that it gives you the best chance to score a goal. And we saw this with, with Rick Nash. Rick Nash was always a player that needed space to skate into. But on the power play, you don't have that space. And, and this power play without Panarin has been, has been better because mostly because they're unpredictable. The Rangers' power play with Panarin became predictable. And players weren't moving. And now it's much more dynamic. And I really like what I'm seeing. Um, so... I don't know what they're going to do when Panarin's back. I think they're just going to revert back to the way it used to be on the power play. And I, I assume that they will. And when Nemeth is healthy, I'm pretty sure Nemeth's going to be back in the lineup and Jones is going to be back on the taxi squad because ultimately that's how NHL coaches work. That's, that's the decisions NHL coaches make. They they fall back on, on, on their routines. Um, but until then, I'm really excited with uh, with what the Rangers are showing and these these improvements are born out of necessity and sometimes you need that yep no you're you're absolutely right and I want to touch on more about how the Rangers performed over these past couple of games but before I do just want to thank everyone so much for chiming in to episode 43 of Rangers Review if you guys are watching the live stream make sure to drop a like and hit that subscribe button too if you're enjoying the content if you're watching the replay wherever you get your podcast leave a review. Thank you guys so much for the support as always. And of course, if you're in the live stream, we'll be taking some questions in our Q and a segment towards the end of the live stream in a little bit. And I also want to shout out Davis Douglas for the $20 donation saying happy new years. Uh, guys keep up the great work. Oh, thank you so much, Davis. Really, really appreciate the donation. That means a lot. And I'll be in the same for you, my friend. Thank you kindly shout out Davis in the chat. If you guys are watching live, but Steven, let's break down a couple of things from these games as well, because yes, the Rangers are the top team in hockey right now, based on, the amount of points and how they're gaining those wins because they, they're tied with the Capitals right now. Capitals have like eight overtime losses, though, don't have as many regulation wins. So, yes, Rangers for the first time since 2016 are holding first in the NHL, which is awesome to see. Uh, 22, 8, and 4, 3, and 1 over the past four games. And during this four game span, with multiple games without Artemi Panarin, no less, the offense has been there. Rangers scored at least three goals in each of these past four games, four and three of the four. And Kreider, he's had five points in his past four games, two goals, three assists. Zibanejad, four goals, one assist, five points in his last five. Strom, two goals, three assists, five points. Goudreau, who really stood up against his former team in, back in those uh, last two games against Tampa, three goals, two assists, five points. Alexi Lafreniere, want to talk about Laffy, two goals, one assist, three points. And Adam Fox had two apples apiece in the past two games to the Rangers, so he has four points over the past four games. So, 
looking at and taking a uh, note of how the Rangers have been performing here, but specifically when you're looking at someone like Alexi Lafreniere. Let's take a moment to talk about his performance in this increased role because he's been obviously limited in a lot of ways this season and justified is plenty of it as well. He's someone that we expect to step up some more. And I know that Gallant has not been happy with that third line at times with Heedle. Gauthier has looked great, has just yet to bury things. I feel like he gets a breakaway every game. So Gauthier is not for a lack of effort, it seems. But with someone like Heedle, he's been a little bit of an X factor and a negative. And unfortunately, feels like. And I think that's been a detriment to the lack of success for someone like Alexi in games past, where he's gained limited ice time because of who's not just him being on the third pair, but who he's paired with. So to see him being this top six in this left wing spot and really just take advantage of what's being given to him. Alexi's looked a lot more comfortable. Uh, comfortable. I'm seeing confidence in his game. And I just hope that doesn't diminish, of course, when Panarin is back. And I would even advocate and love to see Alexi potentially playing on the right wing if it doesn't mess him up too much to be staying this top six. But what has your take, Stephen, been on Lafreniere taking advantage of what's being given to him and knowing that this is, in fact, a step in the right direction for point production and just confidence as a whole for a young player, first overall pick, uh, for him to have the start of the career the way he has. He'll take any confidence that can be thrown at him. He's always been uh, he's always been happy. He's always been joyful in that locker room. But now we're starting to see some results, and rightfully so. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's just the line mates he has. Uh, the last couple of games, he was able to play with Strom and Goudreau, which is uh, a and, and Gauthier. So, um, yeah, um, it's just the confidence is a big factor as well. Um, I think that the, the, the goals he just scored, let's hope he can build on that. Uh, but, you know, he, he has scored the 12th most goals by, by a player age 20 or younger. Um, we'll see how this translates in, in the coming weeks. Um, happen when Panarin's back because he's playing top six minutes because Panarin's out. Uh, how, how, what's going on? Panarin's back. Is he going back on the third line? Are they going to keep him in the top six? Because one other change that has that was long overdue that good that Gallant has made is take Hunt out of the top six. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, the goals he was he scored were given to him. But, you know, everyone... So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Agreed. Yeah, no, we'll see what happens indeed. But I do know, and it just makes me think, my dad joked about this. He said, you know, if this was Buchnevich, he would have missed all those open nets. And I just joke about that because I think about Buch during his time with the Rangers and flailing his head back when he would get open nets. So at least we have someone that knows how to bury the opportunity when it's thrown their way, right? But mm -hmm. a couple more things that I want to address is special teams, power plays we just discussed. Even though that, yes, we would like to see it more balanced when Panarin is back just because we're having success. So, you know, why uh, go overload on things when in reality you could probably have a more balanced than – uh, what you do when Panarin is on the top pair with uh, Sabanjad as well. But Rangers, power play just continues to thrive. It's been refreshing to see how they've been able to balance things and how Am Fox has, of course, been commanding things on the point. Um, Rangers are seventh in power play in the NHL this year so far at 25%. And penalty kill has even been better. And that was something that I had a slight worry going into the year with not having um, the Rangers' previous assistant. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jacques, Jacques Martin. Martin. 
who did who did very well and was known for really being a, a special teams specialist defensively and for PK. Rangers were fine last year, but they're even better so far this year. They're fifth in the league at 84.9%. So what has your take been overall on just seeing the Rangers thriving with this mix of young players and veterans? And again, I know that we don't necessarily want to see all their production solely come from special teams, but the fact that they're constantly taking advantage of these opportunities, which is something that all of us Ranger fans normally know as, oh my goodness, they, they're just cycling. They can't shoot the puck. They can't get the puck on net. Rangers are doing a lot of the little things that us Ranger fans have been wanting to see from power plays in years prior and penalty kill wise. They're just getting the job done. No tomorrow shutting down the best teams in the league. Even if they're losing it's not because of necessarily they're doing bad on special teams. So what's your take on that? Um, I think it's something deeper than that. I think this team and its players um, go out on the ice uh, without the fear of being benched. Um, they don't have to worry. They don't have this, this nagging thing in the back of their head where they go, oh, if I make a mistake, I might not play the rest of the period. Because under Gerard Gallant, players are, are given the opportunity. They're given, you know, they're, they're given a little bit more slack than, than they had under David Quinn. And it has been mentioned a few times, even this season, by several players in interviews. And I think that goes a long way, too. Um, but also Lindgren and Fox being a year older on the penalty kill, that's huge. I think on the power play, Adam Fox, last year he won the Norris. I, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that this season he's been even better than his Norris winning season. Um, but the thing I really want to talk about is our goaltending. Because Shostjorkin is probably one of the he's, – he's a top five goaltender in the league right now. When it comes to save percentage, I think he's second. When you look at his career, and he played 68 games so far in his career, uh, only four other goaltenders have a better save percentage after 68 games. Um, Ken Dryden, uh, um, Tony Esposito, um, Corey Schneider, and Tuka Rask. That's some great so, company right there. Yes, Jorkin's save percentage after 68 career games is 0.925. So he's, start, he's, he's a starter and he's a good starter. Now, talk, well, let's talk about Georgiev for a second because Georgiev had a, had a bad start to the season and uh, Ranger fans were complaining about him and rightfully so because he wasn't playing well. And people were asking for Keith Kincaid. But since Yash Jorkin went out with injury against the Sharks, I think it was on December 3rd, Georgiev has stepped in. And his save percentage since December 3rd is 0.940, or 0.940 save percentage. So he's been putting up numbers that you would be thrilled about if they came from your starter. So the last month or so, the Rangers have been carried by their goaltending and not just Shestjork and after he came back from injury. Georgiev has 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 been stellar. Um, of course, we had a game with Keith Kincaid in Arizona, and Adam Huska had the game against the Colorado Avalanche at the Garden. Uh, and especially that game, the Rangers weren't playing well. They came off a of back-to-back. They played. No, they the were all before. over the place. It was. It was they bad. played the night before in Chicago, and I said it back then, and I'll say it again. There should be at least 24 hours between puck drops. Yeah, it's ridiculous that there's games where you get less than 24 hours of prep again. Yes, 
Yes, uh, they didn't come back to New York until 3 a.m. So that game was 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 an automatic loss. But Chesterkin and Georgiev have been great the last the last month, and I think that really feeds into the penalty kill because it gives the defenseman the confidence that they need. Oh, okay, so the guy behind me is gonna get whatever is thrown at him. Let me take away as much as I can. I don't have to worry about the guy behind me. Um, and that paired with what I said earlier that players are sitting on the bench without without having to worry about about you know not playing anymore you know they're not they're not scared of making mistakes and you see this in 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 the game of Julian Gauthier the most I think he's playing with with almost like flair where he's trying things and and even when he when he has a breakaway like last night uh, uh, against the Oilers he had a breakaway and he missed was it against the Oilers or was it against the Lightning where he had a breakaway? No, I think it was against the Lightning. Sorry about yeah. that. He had a breakaway against the Lightning, go one-on-one with Vasilevsky, and he misses. Now, last season, he would he would skate back to the bench and be worried, okay, this, this is the game for me. I mean, there's 10 minutes to go, but I'm not going to see any more game time. And now he goes back to the bench, you know, still full of confidence because it happens. Strom had a breakaway last night against uh, against no Strom had a, sorry Strom had a breakaway against the Florida Panthers. Yes, and he missed, and he missed. Yeah, it didn't it didn't phase him, and that's the big difference between this team and last season's team. The confidence you, in the locker room, the vibe in the locker room. This this is not a collection of players. This is a team, and I think that contributes to our power play and our penalty kill being so strong. And I'm glad that you tied in the confidence factor with players not worrying, as you attested to, of if they're going to stay on the line that they are or if they're even going to maybe become a scratch based on a poor misplay or whatever, because that was our biggest gripe all along, unfortunately, with David Quinn. Just the amount of micro, uh, you know, micromanaging he was doing for a team that, given the stages that they were, especially in a full rebuild, rebuild slash retool it just it wasn't you just can't justify it with a lot of it and it's it's a coaching style that works well with college players because college players aren't at that level where pro hockey players are correct and and it's also different with college players because of not just the the role that they have on the club but knowing that you're still at a quote-unquote development stage of even just trying to become a better player to potentially take that next level into pro hockey. And that that's more justified, but going on NHL's terms, it just doesn't fit. And we learned that rather quickly as Rangers fans. And, you know, David Quinn wasn't terrible, whatever aspect of his coaching, I'm, I'm aware of that, but that was the biggest concern with him throughout the years that he was with the Raiders. Yeah. Now it just was the same thing over and over again. And Gallant comes in and you just have a structure. And I know that Kako has said about before that you mentioned among other players that, they do have this comfortability level and just entrusting this team entrusting their locker room culture and for them to come together as a group. If you toy with that and you nitpick every single thing that they do, everyone's going to be on their toes, but not to the point where they're going to be on their toes for a positive, but they're on their toes where they're just, they're just concerned with how the following night is going to be and what their role is. You need certainties in order to be comfortable. And naturally when you're comfortable, you have success as long as you're not a comfortable in a laziness sense where say you've been doing something so long that you're going to just stick with it. You're comfy this way and you don't want to improve your game. No, it's a comfortability, but it's a confidence booster more than anything. And it's awesome to see the Rangers finally adopt that more 
And I think you're right to a certain extent. I do think that this does benefit them with special teams and also five on five. And they're going to continue to grow as a group. But knowing the kind of polar opposite approach that the Rangers as a coaching staff have had from a year ago today, it really is telling you that exactly how the Rangers are in the position that they are at the time recording this, uh, being the top team in the NHL. Um, it's, it's not for lack of effort. And you can just tell that they're vibing off of one another. And truly, it's awesome to see how they're going to continue doing this throughout the year and what's hopefully going to continue to be a very improving and positive season. Um, but one last topic that I want to get in with you on a little bit more of a deep dive before we take questions and get out of here looking at the upcoming schedule is Zach Jones, right? I know that we talked plenty on Zach Jones, but really just appreciate how well he was during this two-game span. I apologize. I might sneeze. So let's see if I will or not. I did. Okay. Um, but Zach Jones over these two games really, really impressed me. Uh, just in the sense of you get your call up last second. He came from the tax squad, was here, and back-to-back games, not phased whatsoever. I think that Braden point play was the only thing that was like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't great. And to do that, uh, to have that done to you by one of the best players in the AHL, uh, you can't slight him. You one bit, in my opinion. So to see Jones come in, be comfortable as we've been talking about, and to really go on from the question that I know someone asked in the donation earlier in the live stream was that if he is going to now be an everyday player in this lineup, if he's solidified here, like if it's CERN, my unfortunate answer is I don't think it's going to be that way based on how coaches operate to what you said, but can you justify it right now with his performance over these couple games to at least give him more of a leash to continue seeing now what he will do, maybe going into this away trip? I say, yes, you absolutely do because Jones has clearly not been a liability and he's someone that's going to hopefully be a part of this defensive core in the years going forward. So overall, what has impressed you the most about Jones just over these uh, couple games span and what are you hoping at least to see going in the games uh, forward? Um, yeah, just his ability to move the puck, I think, is more important than than whatever he brings in terms of hits. Um, that one play against Braden Point in the first minute of the game, it happens. That happens to the best defenseman in the league. I've seen players pull that on Victor Hedman. You know, so yep. I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, but like I said earlier, Lundqvist and Jones have the ability to clear the zone and relieve the pressure. And this is something that Keandre Miller struggled with early in the season. And I, I brought that up several times. Keandre Miller is often trying to make a fancy play instead of just making the right play. And Jones and Lundqvist, their, their first and foremost task is when they have the puck and they're under pressure to get the puck out of the zone instead of, instead of trying to retain it. Um, and, and Nemeth is just too slow for this level. Uh, Nemeth is not an NHL defenseman, in my opinion. He is um, He is the same exact thing that the Rangers have been doing for years, but just having that one placeholder on defense, that is more of a net negative than a net positive. And it, it's, it's exactly. frustrating because when the Rangers did that yeah. signing, we were trying to be optimistic, but it's like three years for a guy where you know what his role is going to be. You know the depth of this Rangers defense. It, it just, it's heads. I know you want certainties and you want things back up on when you see a veteran, you're automatically inclined. That's how the NHL works. But man, oh man, the Rangers have just been adopting this philosophy for, I feel like my entirety of, of being a fan. And it's nothing short of frustrating. I, I may say. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Jeff Wojvitka. Yes. Um, 
just never clicked in in New York with him. He he wasn't really he an NHL caliber defenseman anymore, and and it's the same with Nemeth. Uh, Hayek, I think, has b- bounced back nicely the last couple of games. But there's also a reason why Hayek was a seventh defenseman up to like a week or two ago. Agreed. Um, the Rangers wanted Lundqvist to play. They wanted Jones to play. They want Schneider to play. This is the reason why Jones and Schneider and also Robertson were in the AHL. But now you're get, you get to the point where your your young AHL defensemen are clearly outplaying the the what well, I don't want to call I don't want to call Hayek a veteran but I consider Hayek an established player. He played more than I think he played more than 100 NHL games by now. Yeah, yeah, he he's yeah. I would say he's established. Yeah. So he's an established player. Like Nemeth is a veteran, Hayek is an established player. And in come these kids that, that outplay your established defenseman and your veteran defenseman, you have to go with your best players. I don't understand why this is such a controversial take. I, I, I don't understand it either. And the only reason why we're having this discussion is because of the experience these kids have. That's the reality of it. It, it, it comes solely down yeah, to experience. Two years ago, we had a rookie pairing. And... They broke it up because they wanted Hayek to play with Fox. They, they broke up Lindgren. They, I think they sent Lindgren back to the AHL. And then Lindgren came back up, and, and he was around the same age as as as, as Jones is now. We had, a rookie imp- pairing. we had a rookie pairing with Lindgren and Fox, and it worked out fine. I think it's Just- important to look at what the Rangers are doing and is try to for them to stop you know, shooting themselves in the foot. They've went through these mistakes, I feel like, countless times let's try to avoid that you know is that ever going to be avoided in like the near future you would hope so but again i'm probably speaking more so out of strictly just hope versus realism when i I speak as a fan i say yes when i speak as someone who's followed hockey for the last 30 years i i say probably not yeah uh because this this always happens and every team does this you know we 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 signed Tanner Glass for three years. Um, <laughs> don't get me, don't get me started on Tanner Glass, please. Uh, no, please. <laughs> there are teams that gave up prime assets for Eric Goodbranson. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this trade before, but the Oilers gave up a 16th overall pick for Griffin Reinhardt, who was lost in the expansion draft two years later, or a it- year later. In defense, let, let's not bring pre- Peter Shrelly moves and acquisitions no, into this discussion. No, that that just, in itself is a bit more of an, an, a anomaly. One of, one of many examples. How about the Washington Capitals giving up Philip Forsberg to get Martin Erat? I, I'm, I'm aware. General it, was, manager, it was an awesome trade. <laughs> general, yeah, awesome for the Nashville Predators. General managers aren't perfect. And this... I see this argument made sometimes on social media where if someone disagrees with a decision by the head coach or disagrees with a decision by Chris Drury, that people come in and say, well, Chris Drury is a general manager, so he probably knows better than you. Well, general managers aren't perfect. Head coaches aren't perfect. They also make mistakes. They don't have the answers for everything. Uh, Same with scouts. Look at the draft. Just look up a, a, a random draft from 10, 15 years ago and go through the first round 
and see how many of those names you don't even recognize because they never played in the NHL. Yeah. I'm not saying that fans know more than pro scouts or know more than a head coach or a general manager. I'm just saying that just because someone is, is, is hired by an NHL team doesn't mean that every decision they make is the right one. That's my oh, point. Absolutely. I mean, I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. We all have gripes about and, um, you know, frustrations with moves by front offices or just what they're preferring coaching staff wise among other things. Like that's a natural, that's part of being a fan too, to evaluate things, these things. And you'd hope that your team acknowledges them too, before it goes down a slippery slope. And unfortunately the fact is that a lot of times when we do acknowledge these things, they don't, they, they just continue with that stance or that belief until it gets to the point where yeah. it's so rotten that they have no other choice, but to cut ties with whatever they're doing at that moment. But again, and, and, it's here or there. It varies on the coach and it varies on the GM. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it makes your general manager look like a genius. Uh, when Sather signed Anton Strawman in 2011, I don't think anyone had any expectations. Uh, the guy was just cut from a PTO by the New Jersey Devils. Um, I think he joined the Flyers for training camp in the summer, and he was dismissed after a few days. And then the Rangers signed him for three years. Yeah. And 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 it worked out great. It made Sather look like a genius. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anyone could have predicted that. When two other NHL teams, literally in in the months leading up to that contract, say Anton Strom is not good enough for the NHL, and then the Rangers sign him for three years, and he plays his way into a twenty-five million dollar contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It just goes to show you that that general managers are sometimes right, but other general managers are wrong. And and if as a fan you have an opinion, you shouldn't be afraid to 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 voice your opinion just because you disagree with what the general manager does. It doesn't make you any less of a fan. And if you want to, if you have certain ideas that that clash with what the organization is doing just go for it just have a conversation and we need to we need to accept that 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 sometimes there are people in in discussions we have that you disagree with um and and it doesn't mean that they're wrong it doesn't mean that you're wrong it just means that you have different opinions it's you know, called an opinion facts. god forbid we have it right they're not facts and <laughs> and discourse is what makes it is what makes hockey more fun. I love having discussions. You know, before we recorded, I had a I had a chat with you, and we don't always agree, but that's fine. You know, sometimes you have different opinions, and that's fine. And I know that I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, and I I make evaluations that turn out to be wrong. So what? You know, I'm a fan. I'm enjoying this. I love talking about this. And I want more of that. I want I want to have conversations on social media. I want to see debates between fans without without sentences like, oh, you're an idiot or oh, uh, do you even play hockey? Because that's not relevant. At all. I, I, it's, it's just the same. It's the it's, same kind of, you know, reply over and over again for someone that doesn't either want to get involved or Chu doesn't have the knowledge yeah. or information to back it. It's yeah. it's common, but I think yeah. I think when we're talking about wanting to have this discourse and have these discussions, they're important, and that's exactly why we're going to get into our Q and A segment now. Because let's find out what the people that are in the live stream had to say. So, if you guys are to this point, just over an hour in to episode forty three Rangers review, thank you guys for chiming in. Whether you're watching live or in replay, wherever you get your podcast, you guys have questions. We'll be taking them for the next couple minutes before we wrap things up uh, with the upcoming schedule. 
for the Rangers and then give you guys an idea on when we'll be back here and recording again. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you with everything you said, Stephen. It's important to have these discussions, regardless on if we agree or disagree. And it, even if it's maybe a hot take or opinion that isn't going to bode well for others regarding your favorite team in the sports world, it's okay to have that take because at the end of the day, who knows, you might be right. Uh, the amount of times that you uh, you see comments out there on social media, including myself, where you'll say something that oh everyone will give you backlash for, and then in reality that either becomes the reality or you were just right in the end, one way or another or the other. It's easy to be stubborn instead of being open-minded when you're passionate about something. But that stubbornness, that closed-mindedness is what's going to bite you in the ass uh, at some point. Yep. Um, let's see. Questions? Let's, yeah, let's see if we got any questions here in the live stream. Um, we did touch on Jones on if we think he's going to be, uh, you know, solidified in this lineup. Again, we both hope he does, but I don't think he does. I will say this to you, Stephen. Do you think that Jones is going to play um, a couple of the games in this away trip, or do you think that no? Uh, depends on when Nemeth is back. I, I, when Nemeth is back, I don't see them dropping Hayek out of the lineup because Hayek has been playing on the top pair with Fox, and I think that holds some value. And quickly to go into this, we as fans look at it from an outside perspective. You know, we are not connected to these players. We have no personal attachments. We don't talk to these players in the locker room coaches talk to these players every day um they they have sometimes have a better connection with one player than than with another and the, the personal aspect of it impacts their decision too it it just it they're human uh, the same thing the same way we are human you know we have a group of friends and if sometimes we listen to one friend and we believe him before we believe someone else and and no one's impartial that's just that's just not how human beings work. Um, I think Zach Jones is going to play more games this season. I don't know when that will be. Uh, what I am convinced about is that Zach Jones is here for the long run. I, I think Jones, Schneider, and Lundqvist are going to be here for uh, for a couple of years. Um, and I think the odd man out, it's going to be either Lindgren uh, or Truba. I think Truba with the $8 million cap hit is, is a prime candidate in 2024 to be moved, assuming Braden Schneider is ready to step into that role because they're similar stylistically. And Lindgren, in, in four or five years, I could see them moving on from Lindgren and not make the same mistake they made with Dan Girardi because Lindgren is the type of player that doesn't really age well after 30. And mm -hmm. that's not a knock on Lindgren. It's just the, the type of player he is. We saw it with, with Girardi. We saw it with Callahan. We saw it with Brandon Proust. We see it with Milan Lucic. Certain players just don't age well. Yeah, no, you're right, especially when you're using the body more. And that's what we love yeah. about certain players that have those type of roles where you're going all in every single shift. Yeah. But naturally, there's a shelf life with people like that. That's okay. That's just, that's yeah. normal in hockey. It's right. It's just the way it is. Yep, nature of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a bunch of questions, so let's get to them. Jack says, uh, when do you think Othman makes his NHL debut? You have a better, you probably have a stronger take on this than I do, but just from the forefront, when I think about Othman, his role right now, I don't see him making his NHL debut for probably at least two seasons. I think at the earliest, I think three is something I'm most comfortable about. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I if if I'm saying earliest two seasons from now. Um, most comfortable, I would say three. 
Yeah, when he was drafted, I said three years. 2024 was my prediction. So at the end of the 2023-24 season. Um, however, in the last couple of months, there have been some developments with the Flint Firebirds. They've been reluctant to trade him in the, in the OHL, which I understand from their point of view because Brennan Hoffman is their best player. He wins them games. He puts people in the seats. You know, he is the main reason they're selling tickets because players want to see Brennan Hoffman. He's a first-round NHL pick. He was drafted by an original six team. You know, that's for marketing purposes, that's great to have. And it helps you win games. And it's, ultimately, it's still about money in the OHL. These teams need to make up some money because they lost an entire season. So I get it. However, I don't think he has much to learn in Flint. I think if he wants to learn something new, he might do it in a different environment where he could actually be on a contending team in the OHL. If the Flint Firebirds are still reluctant to trade him to another team, I could see the Rangers uh, having him on the NHL roster to start next season. Uh, that doesn't mean he will spend the entire season on the roster, but his contract can slide this season and next season. So they could have him on the team for like a month or two, have him play a couple of games, see how he does at this level. And if they are happy with him, then they might just keep him on the team. If they think that a season in the NHL is better for his development, even if it's as a healthy scratch, practicing with NHL players, if they think that's better for his development than spending another year in the OHL where he's already dominating, I could see that happen. So that's that's something to keep in mind. That's that's fair. I'm glad you brought up his stats with Flynn because I, I wasn't as aware of that. Um, so that very well could be an X factor in him playing with the Rangers sooner than I think a lot of Met, uh, Ranger fans, including myself, would have assumed originally. So we're going to see how that plays out. That's a good point, though. Again, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter um, exactly if he's going to be a scratch or not, as long as the Rangers feel that's the best for his development. Because yeah. to your point, if he's going to be stuck in juniors and he's, he's already proved everything and he, instead he could be with the Rangers team and gain acclimate and understand what it's like to be with the, be with the club and to be practicing with them, that might do more positives and negative for sure. So, yeah. and this is, this is what point. the Islanders did with Matt Barzal actually. Yeah. You know, they had, they had him on the team turned out he wasn't ready yet. So they sent him back. Um, and yeah, this is why the, the slide rule exists. You know, you get to try out a player for a couple of games, handful of games. And as long as he doesn't play more than nine games, you can send him back and, and the contract will still slide. So they might, they did they did it with Philip Heedle when they drafted him in, in his first year. Um, if I remember correctly, they did, they did a similar thing with Anthony Duclair in his second season. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I think there's a good possibility that he might play a couple of games. He won't be an NHL regular until 2023, 2024, though. Yeah, I, I can agree with that, too. All right, we got a bunch more. So we're going to try to do – let's try to do a little bit of a speed run through these, okay? Cool. Um, okay, let's go here. Um, do I think uh, Heedle has not been having a good year is because he should be playing Wayne instead of center? Honestly, Mike, I don't – I don't agree that that would be the X factor for him. I honestly think with Heedle, one, he's looked like that he's been standstill, if not regressing slightly to what we've seen from last season or even some seasons prior. Um, and I also think that it goes in hand with just his utilization. Heedle is someone that I do feel confident saying he would thrive. Of course, he's with 
more advanced players. If he's in the top six on the wing, I think that that would bode him well. I don't think that would hurt his development. But the Rangers are in a spot where they don't have really that role that, or that expectation for him like they do with Kako, Lafreniere. Heedle's in really a tough spot where he's going to have to continue dealing with being in that limited role on that third line and playing with guys that a lot of times are either unestablished or just really aren't going to benefit you too much. Like Lafreniere and, Ka- and uh, Gauthier have all the talent in the world, but these are still guys that are still trying to really get themselves in a rhythm at the NHL level. And I do think that having that young line has proven to not benefit the Rangers that much at this point and why Galan has been reluctant and giving them some big ice time. And Hedl, unfortunately, has stood out a bit. He has been one that looks a little lackadaisical out there, is not showing as much effort as maybe we would have hoped. Or he's just he's just so hit or miss. You could he, games could completely go by and you you don't even realize he was on the ice. Um, I think just not showing really any true signs of improvement over the past couple of weeks. Um, I think P- Ranger fans would even say farther than that, depending on who you talk to. Like Stephen, I'm sure um, would agree that there's something that needs to hopefully change with him and rather quick. Uh, but yeah, he's been underwhelming to put it lightly. Yeah, yeah, and and and. We, we talk about this with Lafreniere. Lafreniere is playing better the last couple of games because he has better line mates. And the similar the, the same thing could apply to, to Philip Hedelbo. Where are you going to play him? Um, he's not going to play on the wing ahead of Lafreniere or Panarin or Kreider. He's not going to play on the right wing ahead of Kako. And at the moment, if there was ever a chance for him to, to get a shot in the top six, it was the moment Hunt was, was demoted. But they replaced him with Barclay Goudreau, and that seems to be working out. So other players are taking their opportunities and running with it. And, and that puts Hedl in a tough spot because unless you put him on the wing on the third line, I don't see another spot for him on this team. He's going to either center the third line or we have to figure out something when, when we have an injury or a player leaving. Um the out-of-the-box scenario is when Panarin comes back that you would move Kreider to the third line to give Hedl a more established player to feed off of. Uh, Most of Kreider's points come on the power play, so those won't be affected by him moving to the third line. Um, I mean, just thinking out loud here, you could put Panarin on the top line with Zibanejad and uh, and Kako. No, you lost me. (laughs) Keep the Lafreniere strong Goudreau line as long as they as long as they're hot. Yeah. Uh, the I- moment the moment that changes, you swap Lafreniere and Panarin. But uh, like I said, unless you do something really unorthodox, really outside the box, I don't see another role for Hedl on this team. I, I agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly. I don't. I don't agree with even really doing Panarin's advantage ad. We've been here, done that. Well, you know my stance. You know my stance. And rightfully so. It's not like it's not justified, you know, me yeah. to, uh, what I have to say about it. But all right, bunch of questions. We'll take four to five, and then that's going to wrap up the Q&A segment. So if we don't get your question in this live stream, if you guys are watching live, we do apologize, but we have to get only a certain amount given time. And then we have to, of course, uh, take a quick look at the upcoming schedule before we wrap things up. So I'm going to get a four or five quick speed run. Is uh, getting the bet uh, is – Gettinger, the best person to call up. How close are we to see Morgan Barron and Pau Yunemi? Gettinger just has the more NHL experience. That's that's literally all there is behind it. Um, Morgan Barron is someone that we will see. 
I think he has he's right up there with Ganger for sure. Um, Payunemi, I do think we'll get a taste maybe at some point this year. Uh, he's had, I think, would, what would be a very solid season so far in the AHL. He's been scoring some goals, liking what I'm seeing from him, but it doesn't bring you that defensive ability that guys like Barron, Gettinger can bring you to the same level, which is why I wouldn't expect much from him yet. So um, I, would you agree with that assessment, Stephen? Um, I think the call-up depends on what kind of player you're looking to replace. Oh, yeah. oh, obviously, yes. If like Kevin Rooney is on the COVID list, so you call up Tim Gettinger. If you have to replace Philip Heal, you call up Morgan Barron. If Julian Gauthier is out, you go with Laurie Payuniemi. It's just that they have different roles. They have diff- there's different expectations. Um, so it just depends on who you're looking to replace. Uh, I don't think it's as simple as having a a list with first, second, and third call up. Yeah. All right, Mark. Mark, thanks so much for chiming in. Really appreciate hey, that. Mark. Uh, shout out to Mark. Uh, Tyler, is Galana Jack Adams finalist, and can Buck Walter do as good of a job as Galan? Yes, I think Galan at this point is a uh, Jack Adams finalist, which is pretty cool considering the fact that he hasn't been in the league for over a year now. So you'll love to see that. As of now, I don't think you can justify otherwise, given what he's done for this Rangers team. And yes, I do think that Buck Walter can provide just as good, if not a better job, because he's going in a very similar situation for a team even though I will say Mets are going to be in a far more win-now stage uh, next season than the Rangers currently are. But, yeah, I, I agree on both those uh, wholeheartedly. I'm very excited to see what Buck Walter is going to do. He's a new manager, the new head coach for the New York Mets, even in case you're not aware. Um, okay. But he's a, he's a veteran. He managed for 20 years. so like he's, I, had no, I had no clue. I, I know you didn't. That's why I'm throwing it your way now. But, yes, yeah. I agree with that one, Mark. I appreciate you chiming in. Um, let's see. Yeah. Do we think we should trade a first round pick to improve our right wing before or around the deadline? No, I do not. Don't even don't even think you sniff the idea. This is not Glenn Sather time, especially for a team that at, even though that they're having a very good season and maybe they're going to surprise people come playoffs. Mm-hmm. I rather them surprise us than for us to go in to playoffs with the mentality that we are sending stone a you know a Stanley Cup finalist this year or a beyond deep playoff run team. The Rangers operate like that. I think that they're going to set themselves up for failure when they are still in the very beginning stages of now starting to be in this win now stage. I, I, I'm not on board whatsoever with partnering with a first round pick for a winner at this point. That is, that's the type of trade you make when you're one trade away from being a contender. You're one trade away from winning a cup. Bingo. 2015, when you traded for Keith Yandel, that was the right move. Uh, 2015, yeah. The same summer, the Chicago Blackhawks traded the first for Antoine Vermette. It was the perfect move for them because they were one trade away. This team, unfortunately, is not one trade away from winning at all. Um, if you're going to give up a first-round pick, it better be for a player that's going to be here longer than just a couple of months. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Going to get two more questions in before we wrap this up. Davis, thank you so much again for the donation earlier. It really means a lot. What has been the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment with the New York Rangers so far this season? All right. To kind of wrap this up in a nutshell, I would say biggest surprise to this point in my mind is probably just the consistency in the sense of the Rangers are first in the league right now i did not expect that through getting close to halfway through the season so i I think gallant his impact to the extent of what it has been so far is a big surprise just seeing how much things have changed in a short period of time 
and with the basically the same exact roster, right? Um, biggest disappointment this season, I would say. Um, mm, it's really hard. It's really hard to gauge. I would I would honestly almost argue Filipino uh, to this point, and I think it says more so about the lack of true disappointments the Rangers have this point. You could also say that the biggest disappointment is Lafreniere and or Kako not being point per game players yet. You know, if you want to go down that route, everyone, if, if you're, if you had that belief going into the season, of course, you're going to be disappointed. Um, I don't really think the Rangers have a massive disappointment so far this season, but if I have a nitpick one, I would say Heedle is towards the top of that list just because of the lack of production on a night to night basis we get from him. Yeah, for me, the biggest disappointment is probably Shashjorkin's injury because it's a recurring one, and That's it fair. has me a little worried. Um, biggest surprise, uh, Kreider. The guy the guy has 20 goals after 34 games, 12 on the power play. Um, he's putting up numbers. And for someone that, that, that looks into the historic comparisons of what our players are doing, if I, if I go through 96 seasons of Rangers hockey – and I only find three players that that are at this stage of the season comparable to what Kreider is doing. That tells you how rare it is what what he's put what he's putting together. So Kreider is definitely a positive uh, surprise. Yes, and I'm actually glad he brought up Kreider because he completely blew over my head. I would say he's the biggest surprise too. I, he just didn't cross my mind at all. So outside of yeah. coaching, player wise, it's Kreider first and foremost. Um, let's see. All right. Last question we'll be taking is from, I don't even, I'm, I'm assuming it's Tomas or Thomas that looks, the spelling reminds me of it being Finnish. Is it? Do you think it, it is? is Steven? Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's a Finnish. Yeah. Yeah. That's the T, the T, the T U O right away is what makes me think Finnish. Yeah. Um, Scrabble, okay. and Finnish, Scrabble and Finnish must be, must be hilariously easy. <laughs> you just add some files in the middle and then you're, you're good to go. You're good. That's fine. Yeah. Um, how would trying out Lafreniere uh, yeah, and Stromby? Yeah. Uh, what What do you think, Stephen? Um, I think we tried Lafreniere on the right side already. I didn't. I don't think it, it worked. Uh, that doesn't mean that we that we cannot try it again. At this stage, though, I don't think the right side has uh, has a hole to be filled by Lafreniere. You have Kako who's doing who's doing decent enough. Uh, Goudreau, who's currently uh, one of the better players on this team who's playing as a right winger on the second line. Um, yeah, when Panarin comes back, it's going to be really tough to uh, to find a spot for Lafreniere that's not on the third line. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one too. Laffy is someone that I want to see in that top six, but if comfortability-wise, mm-hmm. if he is performing his best at left wing, if right wing is a little bit of a detriment to him, then by all means, I want what's best for him and his development i um, do i do like as an alternative lafreniere and goudreau on the third line because lafreniere and goudreau are playing well together yes i agree i agree with that too i think it'll be good to have more of a balance with the top nine overall too if you cannot be so uh top loaded with your top six and put goudreau with laffy i think goudreau is the kind of player too that would really help someone like Laffy with what we've been seeing in, uh, in games lately and just not having that reliance on three very young players who are trying to take that next level in their game, still trying to get acclimated for that matter with him, Gautier, and Hedl. I It's exciting when you look at it on paper, but to see the performance we've had at this point, 
I, I think it's justified that having someone like Goudreau would actually be a much better fit. It's a video game line. Yep, exactly. With all due respect. And, and I yeah. think as a counter, you could even make the argument of putting Gautier potentially in that top six, along with Strom and Panera to bring some size to that line too, and see what it brings you for a guy that just is a high flyer can crash that net. And of course mm-hmm. can bring some good offensive production. I don't see that as a, as a negative Parmy. And if you do that, you make Goudreau to center on the third line and Mojito to the wing. And then we solved two issues that were brought up in our questions today. Bingo. Okay. I, I like that. Okay. Let's see. Go on. Get on it, baby. Let's go. But that that's going to wrap things up Q&A time. So before we get out of here, folks, we're going to take a look at the upcoming schedule. The Rangers have three games that they're going to be playing before we record next week, which will probably be right around the same exact time next Tuesday, if I had to imagine the 11th of January. But the Rangers do have a big, big road trip coming up. Their next five games are on the road. But the next three, before we talk again, are starting in Vegas. This Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's that's going to be a fun one to potentially stay up for. Right, Stephen? <laughs> I'm going to sleep first, uh, wake up at 10 to 3, watch the game, and then start my day at work. And that's going to unfortunately be your routine for basically a week's span. Because then, of course, they have their game on the 8th in Anaheim, 10, 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time, same time. And then against the L.A. Kings on Sunday, the, uh, pardon me, Monday the 10th at 10.30. So, Big games for the Rangers. These are teams that all, of course, especially Vegas and Anaheim, can definitely give the Rangers a run for the money. Anaheim has been surprising to a certain extent this year. They've been having those high flyers. Troy Terry had, I think, like 18 points in the first 18 games of the year. He was doing great. He's still been rolling. Uh, Trevor Zegras is looking great. Sonny Milano, I've always loved Sonny Milano. Uh, I believe he's a Long, Long Island native, too, has been doing really well in an increased role with Anaheim this year. They even got Vinny Letary, the former New York Ranger, too. So they got they got some nice yeah. pieces there. Um, I look forward the, to the Kako Zegras uh, talks during the broadcast for that one. Oh, it's inevitable, of course. Anything regarding two guys from the same time, same draft, et cetera, yeah. that, that's always going to happen. Um, but let's, let's take a look. Out of these three games, starting with Vegas, too, I think the Rangers in this stretch – are going to go. I think the Rangers are going to go 2 0 1. And I'm going to go with 2 1 0. Okay. Uh, goals, I'll pick this time, I guess, because you picked last time. Um, out of these three games, I think the Rangers are going to score. I'm going to just go with the safe number. I'm going to say nine. I'm going to go with that safe number nine. Nine. Yeah. Um, then I'll go with 10. Okay. All right. So this is me hoping that they score three apiece each game and, you know, get get the wins. So we'll see. But 2-0-1 for me, 2-1-0 imagine, imagine the third game during scored nine goals and then they get five seconds to go. Wait, wait, re- repeat that. I'm sorry, I lagged out. Uh, imagine the Rangers score nine goals in the in those three games. The Rangers have a two goal lead. Um, who are playing the third game? Uh, LA. The Kings. The Kings pull their goalie, and we get an empty netter in the final seconds to make it a ten. I mean, that only matters if the Rangers went in your favor record wise, two and one. 
if they went to own one yeah so, so just so everyone's aware the goal differential is only only counts when neither of us has the record correct right. yeah so if neither of us get the uh the record so right if they go three and oh or one and two or one one and one that's when the goal the, when the number of goals will uh will be the deciding factor yes that's correct but that's all right that's going to wrap up Rangers review before we get out of here. It is episode number 43. And this is something that I actually have some confidence in because I remember a bunch of 43s for the Rangers. Cause Go I feel it. like a lot of them have been during my time as a fan. So there have, the- been, there have been seven. If you can name four, I'd be impressed. Okay. We got Marty Buron. That's the first man yeah. that came to my mind. Yeah. I think Libor Hayek. He was there yeah. for a, a season or two. Ryan Callahan, a lot of people forget that oh Ryan Callahan God, yeah. used to be the number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's one, there's one more. Um, uh, sh- sh- he he was. I always remember him not not even for his Rangers tenure, but because he won the cup with Boston, but wasn't able to get his name ingrained on the cup because he missed yeah. by like a certain amount of games. Uh, sh- and he now plays in Russia. I didn't. Oh no, you're losing me now. Uh, wait, wait. Um, what position are you thinking of? Defense, defense. Oh, I know who it is. I'm just, I'm just blanking it. Uh, then we're talking about the same player, yeah. It, uh, I, I know. I, I, if you wait, can, wait. if you can get this, this is the fourth. It's not Nick Holden. It's the other one. Oh, Stephen Camper, right? There you go, Stephen Camper. There we go. Um, honestly, I thought you were gonna, you're gonna mention Colin Blackwell. Oh my God! See, of course I forget Blackwell. No, I would have had five. That's unfortunate. So, um, moving backwards, uh, the seven players that were number forty-three for the Rangers in official games, so doesn't doesn't include preseason. Colin Blackwell, Libor Hayek, Daniel Catanacci in 2017-2018. Have no clue who that is. Stephen Kempfer, Martin Baron, Ryan Callahan, and the first one to wear number 43 as a Ranger in 2004 was Jason McDonald. Okay. Yeah, I did good. Uh, yeah, I'm proud Jason of that. Mc- Jason McDonald played a whopping four NHL games in his career. Oh, wow. So, yeah, um, I, I would be perfectly fine with people not remembering this guy. Um, Zero goal, zero, zip, zero assists, minus one, 19 penalty minutes, and an average time on ice of eight minutes and 11 seconds in his uh, illustrious NHL career. I just can't believe I forgot Blackwell. I, I cannot believe you forgot him either. I thought you were going to get Baron. In hindsight, do you think that you would have gone at least four or five of them if you didn't look at it? I know it's probably hard to try to think of because of the fact I, that you read it probably now. I, well, uh, I, I, I knew Callahan. I knew Baron. Uh, I knew Camfer. I knew Hayek. And I knew Blackwell. Catanacci, I don't, I don't remember. And McDonald, I, four games in the NHL. Who remembers, who remembers this guy? Who, yeah. who remembers Jason McDonald? Yeah, shout, shout out to Ca- Captain Cali, though. That, that's the one that I think would have stumped yeah. most people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Awesome. Great episode. Positives in this one. Rangers on a three-game winning streak. We'll see if they extend it into their next couple, three games. We'll be back here right around a week from now, hopefully next Tuesday. Uh, God willing, right around the 11th. So thank you guys so much for listening, watching, wherever you get your podcast. This was Rangers Review episode 43. And Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. Peace out, guys.